Hey everybody, for those of you who are new at Alice Drive, I'm Clay Smith, the lead pastor. I had knee surgery this week, and I'm gonna be out for a few Sundays. Today, though, the message is going to be brought by Kevin Bynack, our group's pastor. He's going to wrap up our series about peace and finish out Proverbs chapter three. I know you'll be blessed, and I know he'll bring you a great message about having wisdom. Well, good morning, Alice Drive. It is an honor to be with you. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name is Kevin Bynack. I get to serve as your group's pastor. Uh, my family and I, my wife, Danae, we've been married almost eight years. Uh, we have two little girls, four-and-a-half-year-old named Christine and a 19-month-old named Evelyn. Uh, and before I get started, I just want to say thank you, uh, because for many of you, uh, you have welcomed us extravagantly, and that means the world to us. So uh, whether it's been a text, a call, uh, a chat in the hallway, whatever it's been. I just want to say thank you for welcoming us to Sumter and uh, to be a part of the body here at Alice Drive. We know that God is doing some incredible things. Uh, as the group's pastor, I get a pretty unique insight because I get to see what God's doing throughout all of our different groups and in several of the ministries and how they're working together. Um, so this is a great place to be, and I'm thankful to be here with you this morning. As we jump into God's Word together, uh, I do have the opportunity and the privilege to be able to finish out our series through Proverbs 3, and Pastor Clay has simply titled this Peace, and today we're going to talk about uh, peace as it pertains to wisdom. But before we get into the text this morning, uh, I want to remind you that peace is our theme for the year. You'll see it all over our campuses, all over our online campus, what, wherever you look, you're going to see that word peace throughout the year. So I want to take just a second and cover our theme verse for the year. That's John 14, 27. Would you say it with me? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I pray that that will be true for you. Um, and I, I want you to know that behind the scenes, our staff and our team here, we're praying that peace would be not only for you this year, but for your family, for the city of Sumter, for our nation, and to the ends of the earth as well. We want to be a part of helping people take their next steps towards peace. And so today, as we finish this series, we're going to take a look specifically at Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 18. So I encourage you to open up your Bibles uh, to those verses. If you don't have your Bible today, we would love to point your eyes to the screen where those verses will be as well. Before we dive into the text, let me just remind you uh, that Proverbs is written by Solomon, uh, who is known to have been the wisest man that ever lived. And he's writing the book as a guide for his sons and by extension to us as we get to read it today. And what he wants them to know is that God's wisdom is the greatest thing that they can have in their life, and he also wants them to know that they can apply it to every area, to anything that they might encounter while they're on earth. And so to this point in the series, we've read Solomon's teaching on practicing love and faithfulness. We read in verses 5 and 6 about trusting God's ways. We heard about generosity. We heard about discipline. And then today, we're going to take a deeper dive into wisdom. And not only wisdom, but how that wisdom changes our path of our lives. So I want to go ahead and give you kind of our main idea up front so you know what to expect. The main idea is simply this. Wisdom is the ability to choose the path of peace. In addition, as we follow along the text this morning, I want to offer you four questions. And those are just simply guides for you to use to examine how God's wisdom is impacting your life and your path with him. So as we jump in, let's go ahead and take a look at verse 13. 
says this, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. Now, as we begin here today, it's really important to remember that last week, Pastor Clay taught us uh, from verses 11 and 12, and they talked about the discipline of God. And while the discipline of God is not something that we're usually really eager to talk about, we did discover last week that God's discipline is for our good, and we discovered that God's motivation in discipline is love and care. He wants to mold us and shape us to be more and more like him. Pastor Clay also finished by telling us that the best way for us to respond to God's discipline is through prayer and listening. And so it makes sense that today Solomon would continue this discussion with wisdom. And right away, verse 13 tells us that there is wisdom that's set apart. You see, wisdom, uh, there, there is wisdom in God that leads to real understanding. Blessed are those who find wisdom. This isn't the wisdom that we come up with on our own. It is, though, the same wisdom that we see mentioned in several other places in Scripture. One of my favorite is Psalm 1, 1 and 2, where it says, Oh, the joys of the Lord for those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in mockers, but they delight in the laws of the Lord, meditating on it night and day. See, as we approach this topic of wisdom, we have to make a serious confession up front. We have to be honest and say there is a gap between the way we value wisdom and the way the Bible values wisdom. So as we think about that this morning, I was trying to figure out what that might look like in my own life. Here's the truth. I often think that I'm a legend. But I also often realize that it's in my own mind. To, to tell you what I mean a little bit further, when we moved here to Sumter, um, I needed to find a way to secure the staircase so that my four-year-old and 15-month-old wouldn't hurt themselves climbing up and down the staircase or falling up and down the staircase. And so I decided to jump on Amazon and in the hustle and bustle of getting everything set up in the house, I pretty much bought the first gate that I could find. It looked like it was made out of metal. It looked like it was fairly sturdy. I thought this is going to be a good way to go. But I failed to read that the gate could not be installed on drywall. Now, of course, the base of my staircase is made of drywall. I didn't even realize it when I ordered but a few days later, the big box comes to the house and on the side in big red letters, it says, do not attach to drywall. So what did I do? I thought to myself, you know what? I love to build stuff. My kids are not that strong. They're not gonna break this thing. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna stick it up on the wall and it'll be just fine. So I attach it to the drywall. And it was fine for about three weeks. And that's when those two precious little girls of mine, they pushed on that gate with all their might and that gate broke. And when I walked in to see what happened, first off, they were okay, but I also found four big gaping holes in the drywall on my staircase. <laughs> Here's the truth. We often miss out on God's wisdom because we think we can handle it on our own. So the first question I want to ask you to consider today is simply this. Where do you seek understanding? The Bible gives us a couple of key answers to this question, I believe, as well. First, it says the wise completely rely on the Lord and they obey his commands. You see, at the end of the day, Scripture is filled with examples of people who either followed God's way or they went their own path and they either reaped the rewards or they had to deal with the consequences of their actions. Psalm 19.7 is a great example of this. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, 
refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Elsewhere, Scripture tells us about a second important part of understanding. One of the best examples of this is through uh, the first church. And that's this, that we're supposed to be made to know and grow through life in deep and meaningful relationships with other followers of Jesus. You see, it's often in those relationships that God reveals much of his wisdom to us. I think back to one of the most important times in my life. A big part of my story, I became a believer at the age of 15. And uh, for the first several years of, uh, of my time as a believer, I had the opportunity to to learn what it meant to serve in the church. So I got the opportunity to serve with kindergartners in Awana. In God's way of choosing to show me humility, he uh, allowed me to memorize scripture like they did. And so sometimes it was half a verse a week, but I would memorize things like John 3.16, and that's how I got to know the Bible. But then as I went on, God opened the opportunity for me to serve in a high school ministry that reached out to a juvenile detention facility where a lot of the kids were the same age that I was. And they had horrible stories of brokenness and some things that were from generations of, of struggles that their families had had. Some of it was choices they had made on their own. But God showed me what brokenness looked like through those examples. Then when I went to the University of Florida, I had the opportunity to serve in a couple of different college ministries. And it's one of the most diverse campuses anywhere in the world. I met people from all walks of life. They had all different kinds of theories on where the world came from, who God was or who he wasn't. And then I went to seminary at age 22, following what I believe to be the Lord's call in my life to be a pastor. And when I got there, even though I had served for a number of years in a lot of really cool contexts, it was really those first couple of years where God shared wisdom with me that made an impact. Now, believe me, he'd been trying to share this wisdom for a long time. But it was during those first couple of years of seminary that I really received what he had to say. I had the joy of serving at an incredible church through those years and through a life group at that church, I met a man named Russ. Now, Russ was an extraordinary follower of Jesus. He was a fantastic disciple maker. He was a fantastic father. He was a fantastic uh, person who, who just cared about people. No matter what walk of life they came from, no matter what they brought to him, he would point them to Jesus. He was also the first impressions team leader for the church. And after I became a member, he took me out to the parking lot. Okay, 8.30 in the morning, it's North Carolina, so some mornings it was 80, some mornings it was 30, some mornings it would rain, some, sometime the sun would be out. But at the end of the day, we were out there to serve people no matter what the circumstances were. And those times in the parking lot were some of the most important times of my life because I got to know Russ. I got to hear his story, I got to share my story. We started to become great friends, and even to this day, he's one of my best friends and mentors. But out of those discussions in the parking lot, Russ challenged me to start meeting him for breakfast every Thursday at 5.30 in the morning. Now, for some of you, that doesn't scare you. For me today, my alarm clocks are four and a half years old and 19 months old. They're usually up between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m., so I can do the early thing now. But back then, I was a night owl. And that thought of getting up that early was an insane request to me. So much so, the first time that I met him, I set five alarms just to make sure I didn't miss the meeting, and I slept through three of them. But when I, met God's word, when I met Russ, I got introduced to God's word in a way that I never had been before. You see, I went to the first meeting and initially I was just gonna be thankful to have a bagel and cream cheese and a hot cup of coffee, the things that would keep me alive at that time in the morning. But after a while, God used his word through Russ to mold me and shape me and to look more and more like Jesus. When I look back, I realized that Russ was really firm about what was true. He held me accountable and he challenged me to new understandings about wisdom. 
My main takeaway about wisdom is that I didn't have very much of it. And that I was thankful that he was willing to show me that through God's word and to help me get involved in a community of people who could point me to what was true no matter what was going on in my life. And so for the next year, on Thursday mornings at 5.30, I met with Russ. And our time went from being one of the most dreaded hours of my week initially to being one of the most impactful hours of my week every week. God, through Rush, showed me what it meant to have a deeper relationship with himself, to love his word, to love family, to love the church, and to serve people, to love the lost. Russ would even let me come and sit at dinner at his house with him. He'd show me how he would lead dinner with his family. He would show me how he would guide his family in prayer. He showed me how he would care for his wife and kids, and that was real wisdom, something that changed my life forever. And I'll be honest, at the beginning of my time with Russ, I didn't know what I didn't know. But after spending time with Russ, I can tell you that some 12 years later, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't use something that God taught me through Russ and us time together. And I share that story with you to tell you this. The wisest thing that you can do is to begin meeting with God through his word and in community with his people. And for some of you today, that's your next step. But for some of you, your next step is to do the same thing that Russ did for me, for someone else here at Alice Drive. You see, when we seek the understanding of God's word through prayer and the counsel of other believers, it's much more difficult for us to miss the mark. And that's the true blessing that verse 13 is pointing us to. So let's continue in verses 14 through 16. We read, For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you can desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. You see, not only is God's wisdom the ultimate blessing, but it's far more important than anything else that we can focus our lives on. And that leads me to our second question this morning. What do you value the most? See, the original hearers, they would have understood that silver and gold and rubies, they were the prize for a, a life well-lived, of hard work. They were the things that you were going to search after and follow after. But what Solomon is saying is, you know all that stuff that you've been working your life for, that you've put your time and your talent and your resources towards? It's meaningless compared to knowing God and his wisdom. It makes me think back to the first car that I bought after Danae and I got married. You see, up until then, for about a decade, I had driven an old family car, and I gotta tell you, this thing was awesome. It made it to almost 300,000 miles. It was in the Florida heat at 100 degrees. It was in the North Carolina cold at five degrees and still kept on rolling. Well, one day when I was driving to work, it was a Saturday morning, it was really cold, and I hit this big bump in the middle of the road, and when I did that, the plastic radiator in the front of this car fell out on the ground. I don't know if you've driven a car without a radiator, but it didn't go very far. <laughs> and so all my gauges peg, all the temperatures are all out of whack, and I'm stuck in the middle of the road. There's steam coming out of the hood, and thank God my wife wasn't too far away, so she was able to pick me up and take me to work. But what was I supposed to do next? Well, like anybody, I had to find the perfect replacement for that car, right? So I had paid my dues. I, I used the family car as long as I could, could, could use it. I, I, had, I had done without all the extra bells and whistles. And so when I bought this next car, it was going to have everything that I needed. 
I drove about four or five dozen different cars looking for the perfect replacement. I did all kinds of research, car and driver, Edmonds, you name it, I looked at them all. Till one day I found my car. I had it delivered to where I was, to the city where I was living and I drove it and right away I knew this is my car. It had newer technology, it was cozy, it fit me just right. I felt super cool behind the wheel. I thought this is exactly what I've been looking for. And it wasn't but three months later when I'm still on that new car high, I'm driving home from dinner with some friends, I get sideswiped in the right side by a drunk driver. And the impact destroyed the whole right side of the car. I mean, you name it, hood, fender, trunk, bumper, all of it's messed up. It was about that far from being totaled. Nobody was hurt physically, but I gotta be honest, I was crushed emotionally and mentally. This car had become one of my most prized possessions. I had all this time and money invested into it. And here it sat, it was ruined. I'm thankful for my wife and others who would say to me, it's just a car, we can fix it. And I'd followed followed Jesus for over a decade at that point in my life. But I had to ask the question, why was I so crushed by what had happened to my car? And I came to realize it was because I had put too much value in the wrong thing. One pastor and friend of mine puts it this way, I love it. He says, God's wisdom offers treasures that cannot be valued at market price. So the question is, is it the most valuable thing to you this morning? We continue the last part of verse 16. We read, long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Now about this, one commentator notes that this is a picture of wisdom that would have been incredibly vivid to its readers. And it's in part a cultural reference to the Egyptian goddess of wisdom who held the form that's mentioned in verse 16. Some of the hearers would have known well and would have been able to resonate uh, with the story because of that. But most importantly, the symbols of life in the right hand and wealth and power, honor in the, in the left hand, point us to the truth. That God is the one who is above all, holds life, holds wealth, and holds honor infinitely. It's also a good time for us to remember that the book of Proverbs is not primarily a book of promises, but it is a book of principles. And so that means the real discussion for us this morning is do we value godly wisdom? And do we value it from the one who controls all life and all wealth and all honor more than anything else? Or are we settling for a cheaper substitute? See, God's wisdom has the greatest return on investment of anything that we can give our lives to. It never returns empty and it grows and it grows in value throughout eternity. The way that I would summarize this this morning is time spent gaining wisdom is never lost. That leads us to verse 17, which ties this whole section back to our theme of the year, peace. Verse 17 reads, her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. I think it's an amazing summary of everything that we've read so far in chapter three. Remember Solomon mentioned that love and faithfulness and trust and generosity and discipline and now wisdom, they're all products of a peaceful relationship with God. One big picture, lots of little pieces that are a part of it. What God wants for us is to walk the path of peace because that's the walk, that's the path that will get us to him. 
And so what does it mean for us? A couple of examples. If you're single in this room or online, wherever you're watching from, when your relationship with God is strong, you understand the value of true love and true faithfulness. It means that you're equipped to handle the the path of peace in your singleness with God's wisdom and to know that God's plan is for your good, even if your circumstances feel hard. I don't mean to make light of anything. I know that some of you are in really tough circumstances, but I want you to know that you're not alone and that God offers you his wisdom every step of the way. And if you're married, it means that peace with your spouse is tied to peace with God. You see, you can't love your spouse with a consistent, peaceful attitude if you're not connected to God's wisdom. Husbands, you know this. Because when you do self, something that's self-centered or self-serving, you're not at peace with your wife. My pro tip to you is if you're going to do that, don't do it in the winter. It's colder when you have to sleep outside. <laughs> but this section is really far more than just looking at our behavior. I want you to hear that your actions matter. But verse 17 points us to a lifestyle of pleasant and peaceful community with God and with each other. It's not dependent on circumstances being great or being poor. God's not asking us to save ourselves by acting a certain way. What he is doing is he's offering us peace through Jesus, who's the perfect peace, to change our reality. So the big picture is this, when you have God's wisdom, you know him, that means you know peace, that means you can follow the path of peace, and that's going to change how you live with others. The path of peace is one that always brings glory to God. It changes everything about your heart, mind, and soul, and it helps you love the people in your life that you simply couldn't love on your own wisdom in your own grace. And so our third question this morning is this, what path are you choosing? In our last verse this morning, verse 18 says, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Now, we can't miss here this phrase, tree of life, points us back to the garden, to the formation of the earth. Think Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It tells us about the importance of the tree of life. And if you remember the story, you know that the tree of life is in the middle of the garden. And God says, do not eat from this tree. But from everything else that's in the garden, you can have as much as you want. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to enjoy me. And I want you to enjoy being here. We know that Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree and their sin broke that kinship, that connection between man and God. And they chose to hold on to something different than God's word and his wisdom. And it had an impact on all of us. It was the moment that separated us from God. And that left us in a really desperate position. It left left us in need of restoration and in need of hope for eternity. And the hard part about both of those things is we, we can't get there on our own. We can't come up with those things by ourselves. But when this verse says, take hold of her, Solomon's really using those words with an emphasis that's a romantic undertone. And here's what I mean. It's as if Solomon is saying, take hold of her like you would a spouse, showing intentional and affectionate connection, letting them know that you want them forever letting them know that you're not distracted by anyone or anything else. A simple way to say this is to let them know that you're all in. 
And the truth of it is, is God shows us this by making a way for us to be restored from the tree in the garden. And even though Adam and Eve went against God's wisdom and they were separated from him, God's wisdom is the reversal of the cursed tree to be restored to know him and live out his purposes through Jesus. That's incredible news for us this morning and it reminds us of this kind of summary of verse 18. Those who live in him are truly the blessed ones. That leads me to my fourth question this morning. Are the rhythms of your life consistent with God's word? I love that word rhythm because it's really a lifestyle that Solomon is talking about here. The path of peace is not something you pick up and take one day and then jump off and go somewhere else. It's a faithful walk with the Lord day in and day out where, you, where you're molded and shaped to be more and more like him. A good test for that is this. Do those around you know that you know Jesus? Do they see that you live a life of peace? Maybe when they're in some of their toughest moments, do they seek your wisdom or your counsel? Do they know they can trust you? When I read those words in verse 18, and really throughout all of Proverbs, I, th- I think about a man named Pat. I met Pat in the first year after Danae and I were married. And you see, Danae and I were leading a life group in our, in our apartment, and uh, we thought it would be a bunch of college kids and maybe some young professionals, and maybe some young marrieds, maybe some young parents. And Pat and his wife, Leanne, show up, and they're about 65 years old. And I, I gotta be honest with you, I feel like Pat, to this day, should have been the leader of the group, but... One of the things I'm so thankful for is the years that I was able to spend with him, and here's why. Pat, for a number of years, about four decades, was one of the highest ranking people in IBM. He was part of many of their, uh, many of their endeavors that became their global ascension to uh, all the areas of life that they were involved in for so long. Pat knew more about electronics and computer systems than I could have learned in a hundred lifetimes. On top of that, he was just one of the smartest people that I've ever met in my life. But Pat didn't talk much about business or about tech or about his time at IBM or how important he was. He did talk about Jesus in a way that I had never heard anybody else talk before. You see, even though they were 30 years older than us, Pat and his wife Leanne, they, they had something that the rest of us knew nothing, to, knew, knew nothing to do with. What they had was a lifetime of wisdom because they had walked the path well with Jesus. See, when you're 25, you have all kinds of questions. What about relationships? What about parenting? What about the world? Where did we come from? What do, where do, what do you find meaning in, like sunsets? Things that were crazy, and we could ask him anything, and he would answer. He would take us to Jesus' feet every time. Every time that he answered, there was a reverence and a sweet savoring that could only come from somebody who had spent a lifetime with Jesus. What I came to find out is that Pat's goal was to make sure that the next generation knew God in the same way that he did. I'm incredibly blessed to have been a recipient of that gift. I learned so much from him. But here's the truth. We should all hope to be like Pat here on earth. And the main reason for me being able to share this story with you is that some of you in this room, some of you watching online at our campuses, you have wisdom like Pat has. And the rest of us desperately need you to come alongside of us and point us to to hope and to peace and to real wisdom that doesn't fade no matter what the circumstances of life are. 
And so if that's you, I'd love to talk to you more about how you can be involved in the mission of our church and, and engaging in the values of our church where we can share and help others take their next steps. If you're in that season of life, don't waste it. It's one of the most valuable things that can make a huge impact. And I encourage you to do that. Everything that I've talked about this morning, though, all of these tidbits about wisdom, they're all forged in relationships. And the best place to find a relationship is in a life group. And so if you're not in a life group, I want to encourage you to, to get into a life group and give yourself to that group. What I mean by that is to be honest, to be sincere, to be willing to share your best day and your worst day and trust that God's people will do what he says to do and go where he says to go. They'll walk with you well. It's one of my favorite parts of Alice Drive, one of the reasons I feel so blessed to be here. The best way I can summarize it is life groups can help you develop the rhythms that look like God's wisdom. So that leads us to our next steps. What happens from here? Well, Scripture tells us that Jesus is wisdom. And the good news today and this morning is that if you don't know him, you can. You see, Jesus lived the perfect life. He died the death that you deserved because of your sin. And he rose again. He's your living Savior to this very moment. He's perfect, and he can restore any brokenness that's a part of your life from a path that's other than peace. Jesus is the real treasure. He's the one that's worth more than anything else that you can desire. He's the true tree of life who restores what was broken in the garden. And he loves you and he wants you today. So you can't have God's wisdom without knowing him first. If you don't know him, that is your next step today. But if you do know Jesus, you know wisdom. And he's at work in your life today, whether you see it or not. The truth of it is, is the best next step for you is to ask God how he wants to use the wisdom that he has given you. Maybe it's to get into a life group. Maybe it's to disciple someone like Russ did with me. Or maybe it's to share Jesus with somebody who is near to you, but far from God.